You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, the Passover reviewed. In preparation for the tenth and final plague on Egypt, which would precipitate Pharaoh's expulsion of Israel from his country, in Exodus 12:2, God told Moses and Aaron, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. A new nation and a new life would also have a new calendar. So this was called a Bib or a Viv, which occurred in March or April. Uh, later, after the Babylonian captivity, this month would be called Nisan. Up to this point, the children of Israel have not been required to do anything to avoid the plagues, but now they moved to a new level of active obedience. They were given strict instructions to follow, so that they would not also feel the judgment of this last plague sent by the Lord. Now forty years later, Moses reminds the people, Observe the month of Aviv and celebrate the Passover of the Lord your God, because in the month of Aviv he brought you out of Egypt by night. And Exodus 12.42 says, Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites were to keep vigil to honor the Lord for the generations to come. So the idea of keeping vigil is to stay awake when you're normally asleep, in order to watch and pray. Because God watched over them overnight, in future they were to keep vigil during this ordinance. While they were happy to be leaving Egypt and slavery behind, they didn't leave rejoicing because they could still hear the Egyptians mourning their dead. It was a solemn observance. They understood they were no less deserving of the judgment of God than the Egyptians. It was only because of the mercy of God that he passed over them. Moses reminds them of this event in Numbers 33, 3 and 4. The Israelites set out from Ramses on the fifteenth day of the first month, the day after the Passover. They marched out defiantly in full view of all the Egyptians, who were burying all their firstborn, whom the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had brought judgment on their gods. So the original animal sacrificed at Passover was preferably a lamb but it could also be a year-old male goat. Sacrifice as the Passover to the Lord your God an animal from your flock or herd at the place the Lord will choose as a dwelling for his name. Do not eat it with bread made with yeast, but for seven days eat unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, because you left Egypt in haste, so that all the days of your life you may remember the time of your departure from Egypt, that no yeast be found in your possession in all your land for seven days. So this Passover event was within the week of another feast called the Festival of Unleavened Bread. They were to remove all yeast or leaven from their houses. The haste involved in their departure would be signified by the inability to allow their bread dough to rise. Yeast is also a symbol of sin which permeates through the whole person and culture. And they were to do no work, showing their inability to assist in their salvation. God would do it all. Do not let any of the meat you sacrifice on the evening of the first day remain until morning. You must not sacrifice the Passover in any town the Lord your God gives you, except in the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. 
There you must sacrifice the Passover in the evening, when the sun goes down on the anniversary of your departure from Egypt. Roast it and eat it at the place the Lord your God will choose. Then, in the morning, return to your tents. For six days eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day hold an assembly to the Lord your God, and do no work. The main difference between the first Passover and any subsequent Passovers was that they were no, no longer required to put blood on the doorposts and lintels, and they only recalled the death of the firstborn of Egypt as they ate the lamb as a substitute, recognizing it had died in their place, and its blood covered them from the angel of death. The Israelites celebrated their first Passover in the Promised Land when they arrived in Jericho, according to Joshua 5. Verses 9-12, to 12, the Festival of Weeks Reviewed The second festival was the Festival of Weeks, or Harvest, with the first fruits of their crops in their fields. And this was an expression of gratitude for his provision and blessing through their crops. They were to bring the first fruits of their crops to the house of the Lord. First fruits implies not just the first of their crops, but the best. The Festival of Weeks was also called Pentecost. It was one, a one-day festival, 50 days after Passover. Count off seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then celebrate the festival of weeks to the Lord your God by giving a freewill offering in proportion to the blessings the Lord your God has given you. And rejoice before the Lord your God at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your towns, and the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows living among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and follow carefully these decrees. So these festivals um, were times of rejoicing. It was only the Day of Atonement that was a somber occasion while they contemplated their sins and failure to keep God's law. Verses 13 to 17, the Feast of Tabernacles Reviewed. The third main feast that every male was required to attend to yearly was the festival or feast of tabernacles, or booths or shelters. It was also called the Feast of Ingathering, and this was a week-long festival, one of the pilgrimages of Israel that commemorated 40 years of wilderness wanderings as well as the completion of the agricultural year. It began five days after the Day of Atonement. During this festival, the people left their homes, built temporary shelters, and lived in them for a week to remember their time of wandering in the wilderness. It was Israel's Thanksgiving. Solomon's temple was dedicated during this feast. Celebrate the Festival of Tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your festival. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord your will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. So this is far different from pagan worship, which thanks Mother Earth for, for providing for them. Believers worship the creator of heaven and earth, not the things he has created. Again, this was a time of great joy and celebration. 
Three times a year all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Everyone must bring offerings and sacrifices. It acknowledges that people will have different levels of income. They are not all required to give the same amount. Gifts are to be in proportion to how they have been blessed by God. Only the men were required to go, to represent each family. It would be enough people flooding into Jerusalem at once, and the women likely had too much to do at home. God had told them not to fear that the places where they lived would be attacked if they obeyed him and went to worship three times a year. He would protect them. Exodus 34:24. So these joyous celebrations would serve to unite the nation socially and religiously. He also makes reference to the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name. So although they are not in the promised land yet, and no central location within it has been designated, God anticipates that day, because he knows he will make it happen. And this place will ultimately be Jerusalem, but it will begin with Shiloh, and then with Gibeon. Verses 18-20 to 20, Judges must administer justice. Appoint judges and officials for each of your tribes in every town the Lord your God is giving you, and they shall judge the people fairly. Do not pervert justice or show partiality. Do not accept a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the innocent. So judges were those who dealt with cases with application to the law, and officials were leaders at lower levels. So this was the ideal. Unfortunately, before they will be exiled, corruption would be rampant. Micah 3.11 says, Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. And Micah 7.3 says, Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts, the judge accepts bribes, the powerful dictate what they desire, they all conspire together. So when the prophet Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as leaders. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. But Matthew Henry says, All personal regards must be laid aside so that right is done to all and wrong done to none. So this was negative, what they were not to do. Then positively, what they are to do is to follow justice and justice alone so that you may live and possess the land the Lord your God is giving you. Verses 21 and 22. Don't veer towards syncretism. Do not set up any wooden Asherah pole beside the altar you build to the Lord your God, and do not erect a sacred stone, for these the Lord your God hates. Both these gods of wood and stone were not to be associated with the worship of Yahweh. See the notes about Asherah poles and sacred stones at Deuteronomy 7.5 and 12.3 and 4. So doing this would break the first two commandments. Scarlet threads. So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? They were reminded to keep the feasts. Now that we are in the new covenant, those feasts which pointed forward to Jesus, who was their fulfillment, no longer apply to us. Paul tells us that Jesus is our Passover, who was sacrificed for us. 
For a more detailed description of all the ways Jesus fulfills the Passover, see Exodus chapters 12 and 13. The Passover marked the beginning of the nation of Israel. The death and resurrection of Christ marks the establishment of the church. It is the central event of the New Testament as the Exodus was the central event of the Old Testament. And even more, our calendar is divided uh, based on before Christ and A.D. in the year of our Lord. So in spite of the attempts to secularize it and call it B.C.E., and which is before Common Era, and C.E., which is Common Era, if one asks what the dividing point is, the answer is still Christ. So the Passover, which was celebrated each year, looked backward to their liberation from Egypt, and it looked forward to the ultimate Lamb of God, who was our substitute. When we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we look back to Jesus' crucifixion and forward to the wedding supper of the Lamb. The Passover feast, remembered each year, was a reminder of the covenant God made with them. While celebrating the Passover, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, and a new covenant. So this connected the old rite with the new and, and united Old Testament or Old Covenant believers with New Testament or New Covenant believers. It was eaten with unleavened bread. Leaven or yeast represented sin. We have been set free or redeemed from our slavery to sin. Therefore, we must remove sin from our lives. Unleavened bread was referred to as the bread of affliction. The meal was to be eaten with bitter herbs to remind them of their bitter slavery in Egypt. Jesus redeemed his people from our bitter slavery to sin. The lamb was to be killed at twilight. They were to celebrate and keep vigil that night, since they would leave Egypt at night. Twilight was known as between two evenings, usually before sunset. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, said it was usually killed at 3 p.m., which was the same time that Jesus died on the cross on the Passover. The lamb was to be fully consumed. Nothing was to be left till morning. Jesus really died. We feed on him by faith. At the first Passover, they were to apply the blood to the doorposts and lintel or crossbeam over their door with a brush of hyssop. They were not required to do that during any subsequent Passovers. Jesus' blood was on the crossbeam of the cross he carried on his shoulders. We are to openly confess Christ in faith, applying his blood to our lives. The blood was a sign. The cup of the new covenant in Jesus' blood was a sign of what he was about to do. When God saw the blood, he passed over them. When God sees the blood of Jesus applied to us, we are hidden in him, and he passes over us in, for judgment. The lamb was killed as a substitute, and its blood protected those under its shelter. John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. His death was our life. He is our substitute, therefore we need not fear death and judgment. As with most festivals and Sabbaths, they were to do no work. We need to rest from our work. We need to focus on him and be thankful. Because Jesus came, we are now in the time of rest. 
We do not attempt to work for our salvation, but rest in his finished work on our behalf. At Pentecost, or Feast of Weeks, they were to wave two loaves of bread. Paul speaks of the elements of the Lord's Supper and reminds them that two loaves were made out of one lump of dough, just as Jews and Gentiles have the same root. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. And in Romans 11.16 he says, If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. So the festival of weeks, or harvest, or Pentecost, was celebrated 50 days after Passover. It was a time of rejoicing as a harvest was brought in, signifying God's blessing and provision. Because of the preaching of the gospel on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus died on Passover, 3,000 souls were saved. And this was a harvest of souls and a blessing from God. They were to bring their first fruits to God. We are to give God our first and best. Jesus was the first fruit from the dead, and we will follow after, being given glorified resurrection bodies like his own. The basis of their care of the Levites, strangers, fatherless, and widows among them was because they were to remember that they were once slaves too, but they have been redeemed. Being redeemed from slavery and spared the punishment we deserve spurs our good works. When we do good works, others see them and glorify God in heaven. The Feast of Tabernacles or Booths reminded the people of the transient nature of this life. The idea of being strangers or pilgrims is repeated many times by the patriarchs. We need to recognize that this world is not our home. Are we reluctant to leave this planet we call home? Is our heart still here? Or have we recognized we are citizens of heaven and are merely pilgrims and strangers here? Are our treasures sent on ahead into heaven where they are, they are safe from moth, rust, and thieves? Are we ready to leave on a moment's notice without a backward longing glance? We need to think on such things. So only the males were required to go to the festivals three times a year. In the New Covenant, we are all to present our bodies as living sacrifices. There is no male or female distinctions when it comes to our standing before God. We are now a kingdom of priests, offering spiritual sacrifices, ourselves, praise, thanksgiving, financial gifts, and prayers. It was important for the nation to assemble for worship, and we are not to give up meeting together. One of the main reasons for these festivals was to recall what God had done for them and praise Him for it. It's important for us to do the same. They had three required festivals to attend. We have only two ordinances initiated by Jesus, uh, which are baptism and the Lord's Supper. They were to rejoice in worship, celebrate, and be joyful. And if those under the law were to rejoice, then we have even more reason than anyone else to rejoice in the Lord. Our duty is to be our delight. No one was to appear before God empty-handed. 
We cannot approach God on our own merits, but must plead the blood of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 17. May God bless the study of his word.